Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt. Big Kurt is on Twitter, and that's B1GKURT. Jeffrey the Greek is on Twitter, at Jeffrey the Greek. All right. Switch it up there a little bit. I like it. All right. So, we obviously got some games to get into to recap, but... First, we got some breaking news. Yeah, let's start with the breaking news here. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. Yeah. So, head coach Chris Ash, Rutgers University, is out. He was canned today, as was John McNulty, the offensive coordinator, which I thought was a little unusual. I thought that was sure why you do it. Maybe even more unusual. The the interim head coach, Nunzio Campanile, awesome. tight end coach. Yeah. He coached at Bergen Catholic, which is a, a famous high school, like powerhouse football high school, produces tons of talent right out right essentially outside of Piscataway. Okay. So I think I, I, a recruiting thing, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he put him on the staff recently, a couple years ago. He coached Bergen Catholic from 2010 to 2017 and just was winning state titles left and right and producing D1 talent. Yeah, maybe they see some kind of natural leader. That's there. what I was wondering. Like, let's just roll the dice, see what happens. This guy's got a name locally, could help out recruiting. If he does awesome, maybe that's our coach. I don't know. Uh, he's got a name that of somebody that would be in the Sopranos that would have got killed yeah. around season three. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, the the name fits for sure. Chris Ash finishes with a eight and thirty two record mm. at Rutgers, three and twenty six in Big Ten play. That's gonna get you fired. <laughs> like, I think they showed their patience with him after going one eleven last year. Yeah, it was and holding pretty on to him. Like, let's it was give ugly. You another shot. Yeah. But you can't you can't do it after the start that they had here. No, after what they've done so far, I think the writing's on the wall. You you know who Chris Ash is at Rutgers anyway. And time to move on. Yep. Uh, the fact of the matter is, though, um, he's going to walk away with a lot of cash. Yeah, it's like buyout. $8 million. $8, bucks. Million, eight schmil. Ooh. And he's going to be making roughly $800,000 a year soon by being some yep. very high-ranking team's defensive coordinator. I believe that's called FU money. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. $8 million plus eight hundred grand a year. Yeah. That's pretty much FU yeah. money. I, I just would love to know, is he kind of relieved? I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I, I think, think he crazy. is really excited to be a coordinator. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he, he's good at it. Yeah. He's got a good defensive mind. Go back to the simple he'll, life. He'll be he'll be in demand, right? Yeah, I mean, is there a chance that he would get brought onto a staff this year yet? You know? Maybe maybe a certain place in Champaign, Illinois. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it does make sense. It's not the craziest thing in the world, is no. it? Lovey I mean, could he, use some help. Lovey could use some help. He's got dead weight on the staff. Just fire his son, put him back into an analyst role. You can still pay him a crap load of money and you know have a, have a, have a free job for him. Meanwhile, you've got this great defensive mind for the college game. There's no, nothing saying you can't do it. Right. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you do it? I, I, I would think you'd at least look into it. I, I mean, this is conspiracy theory stuff to a certain degree, but it's not that crazy. Why wouldn't you do it? I don't know. I don't know. Take a look. <laughs> and then Chris would come in and he would look around. And he'd say, what? What would you say you do here? Because <laughs> it hasn't been coordinating the defense. No. All right. Well, anyways, good luck to Chris Ash. Um, should we get into the weekly eyes? Yeah. Bunch of big performers this week. I mean, a bevy of choices here. 
Brian Lewerke just was okay. Thank you. Was all everything, right? Yeah. Didn't you think? Yes. Oh my God! Throwing I, the ball, running the ball. I thought I was gonna have to actually campaign for him. To really? Actually, yeah. No. Okay. Good. Good job. Wop failure. Fourteen catches. Hey, a couple. Are we allowed to say that on this podcast? He had a whopper of a game, is what he had. Uh, Rashad Bateman set his his personal best in yards. Couple yep. touchdowns. I mean, Justin Fields. That's really all you Justin need to Fields, say. Yep. Sean Clifford. Clearly the best quarterback that Penn State had on their on their roster. Correct. Much better than Tommy Stevens. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, Shea Patterson, of all people, had a good game. But there was only one choice. There really there. was only one. The Tanner Morgan had a, just a game for the ages. I mean, this will be the best statistical game that I think anybody has in the Big Ten this year. Yes, probably. 21 of 22 passing. Are you kidding me? For... 396 yards. He averaged 18 yards every time he threw the damn ball. Right. And he had four touchdowns to no zero picks. interceptions. Yeah. So it got me thinking. Um, and by the way, he's he has the fourth best passer efficiency in FBS right in the now. Country. Yep. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So it got me thinking. I saw that 21 to 22 stat line. I'm like, man, I, I only remember something like that one time in college football. Do you remember it? Um, I, well, had, I, I know he didn't break the uh, uh, completion percentage in a row record. No. Is that no. what you're getting at? Or? Uh, so, no, I'm, I was talking about um, in a single game okay. completion percentage with, I believe, the cutoff they had to do is 20 attempts. So T. Martin in 1998, okay. I still remember this, was 23 of 24. I had to go back and look that up because I saw that 21 to 22. I'm like, I think that's exactly what T. Martin had that okay. one game. So and he threw for 315 yards, also four touchdowns, but statistically probably not quite as good as what Tanner Morgan just did here. Yeah. And he threw for 23 straight completions. Uh, so best co- uh, completion percentage in a game in the history of, of the Big Ten Conference, I, I it has to be right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's number one. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, w- wow. It, you know when and, and the other thing I'd like to add too, this wasn't West Coast offense Dinkin and Duncan. No. Certainly they ran a lot of slants, but he threw the ball down the field. He too. started jacking it down the field at some <laughs> yeah. point there because yeah. they were giving it to him. Yep, they were taking that slant away, and so they just psh, cut up field. So I'd like to go back to a tweet that I had way back in August when. Anikstead went down, and I said, that's too bad. But a positive to this is that it's going to force Tanner Morgan. Everybody's going to know who the starting quarterback is. Maybe this will, in turn, wind up being a positive for the Gopher football team. I was lambasted by a couple Gopher fans after. Maybe I wasn't so wrong with that assessment. Uh, It's going pretty well so far this year. I would say so. And And his record as a starter. Also, very, very good. Very good, because he took over for Anikstead, like, you know, yep. what, his midseason last year. And I liked what PJ said about it, is this guy's just a competitor. He loves to compete. He loves to win. Yep. Still only a sophomore, but he has the poise of a 32-year-old and the hairline. The hairline of a 32-year-old. So. I mean, yes. that's part of it. He just yes. has an old soul. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he sure, sure played like it. Way to go, Tanner Morgan. This week's Eisman candidate. Winner. He's got to be feel great about that. I mean, all the accolades that he'll get, but you know, the Eisman winner, you can't, you, you can't be nothing's that. better than the Eisman. All right. That will get us right into the football game. So once again, we're going to do this chronologically uh, with saving the big 10 game of the week last, which in this case was the last game of the weekend. 
the Illinois Fighting Illini were the only team that were idle this past that's, weekend. That's our favorite opponent. Yeah, it's undefeated. Uh, undefeated. Yeah, never while lost. Idle. All right, so first up, whoo-hoo, boy. This was on Friday night. Penn State, 59. Maryland, 0. The Nittany Lions with 619 yards of total offense to the Terps, 128. What happened to that offense that we saw in week one and week two? You know what happened to it? The Hoosier line happened to the it. Hoosier I called line. it. Yep. I said it. these guys are way above the Hoosier line, and that's exactly what happened. How can this span two different seasons, two different head coaches, different offensive schemes? How It's the same team as last year. To a certain degree, it is. So, funny thing about this game, the play that I made on this game was the under, and it hit because uh, it was at 62. Oh, man. <laughs> and the reason it hit was because Maryland did not score a single point. So, I was pretty confident that the Penn State front seven would yeah. would have a good day uh-huh. with the Maryland offense. I did not think it would look like this, though. Yeah, boy, I don't know what to say. I don't know who this team is right now, and what a bad couple of weeks for former Alabama assistants, right? Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Oh, mercy! And Justin Jackson, sixty-five yards. Yeah, two picks, no touchdowns. Even Anthony McFarland. I figure you can always count on that guy to to Nothing. grind out some yards. Nothing. Twenty-four yards. So what happened here is there are some teams. That we'll we'll talk about and to if in case anybody's lost the the Hoosier line is an awesome yeah, thing that Big Group made up where the Hoosiers looked good against lesser competition but when they went no no the the, the, the Terps if if they went up against a bad defense last year they That's just right. housed them That's I mean right. they like Illinois they ran for four hundred yards I think seven hundred total yards uh, Minnesota before Rossi. Uh, took over. They were just running up and down the field. They met the Hoosiers, and it was like a normal football game. They were moving the ball sometimes, getting stopped other times, and then anything better than the Hoosiers. Michigan State, They Michigan. just absolutely – Iowa. Remember yep. the Iowa game last yep. year? They had stopped like them. 80 yards in the game, I yep. think. Yep. They just couldn't even move the ball at all forward. So that's where the Hoosier line comes from. And Penn State, obviously very high up on the Hoosier line. I, I would – uh, it's like, like the Mendoza to, line yeah, in baseball. It's a, it's a different kind of Mendoza line. Um, Sean Clifford, 26 of 31, 398 yards, three touchdowns. Awesome game. He also um, ran for 54 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he he was just a stud. Uh, the, the, but the front seven of Penn State, they had fallen asleep behind the wheel a little at bit. times. Like, you just you were hoping f- to see more. Like that, I, And, like, I think they just got bored with it all. Until this game, and there was a lot of quasi chirping, rivalry, a lot of chirping. Oh in yeah, that game. Like I was astonished how much chirping was in that game between both teams. That fired up the Penn State front seven, yeah, and they absolutely crushed Maryland. Yeah, had and four- Maryland's and and a part of the Hoosier line to me mm-hmm. is up front, and it's you could probably say it from both sides, but to me the offensive line is where the Hoosier line lies. Their offensive line, we we had said it in the in the preseason podcast, okay. Big Ten Network, yeah. talked about how much athletes and playmakers they had, but they basically when they say the offensive line is a work in progress, yeah. that means the offensive line's bad. That's that's their nice way of saying it. They lost a tackle in this oh. game, and it went from like a D 
D plus C minus offensive line. It's Ugh. it's 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 flirting with a with a F right now. I mean, the offensive line is in shambles. And on the other side of the ball, they were carting out Maryland defenders like like it seemed like every other series they were taking a Maryland defender off. Like that was a destructive game to the Maryland Terrapins. You could see it on Locke's face. It was like <laughs> just it, frightened. It, yes. It, it was like he had just seen a horrific car accident. Wow. Um, I don't know what it is about the, the Maryland program and, and injuries, but they have the worst injury luck. I think I they do of anyone I can think of, you know, back to, to Sean Clifford and, I mean, clearly an outstanding quarterback. I had my questions about him. Um, wrong again on a quarterback, him and Cone. Uh, he threw the ball to 13 different receivers. He's good. He's good. I'm pretty sure he's good. Yep. I'm, that's the impression State, I'm getting from him. Penn State fan base was was confident <laughs> to almost to the level of cockiness with Sean Clifford before the mm-hmm. year started. Maybe sometimes a fan base can be correct. Yes. Because so far he is looking really good. You can go ahead and, and throw slap that label of out of town stupid on me uh, when it comes to Sean Clifford. What about what are the chances? I mean, is this team starting to look like a playoff contender? Very close to it. Yes. It's gonna take maybe When we go to the team rankings at the end, they're in a category. Yeah, uh, that's kind of special for the conference, I would say. And so they're getting darn close. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. so, too. Okay. With the win, Penn State moves to four and zero, and Maryland falls to two and two with the loss. All right. So that gets us to Saturday. First up, Iowa 48, Middle Tennessee State three. The Hawks with 644 yards of total offense to the Blue Raiders 200 and 16 triple them up almost what do you got what's what's your thoughts you know what i say to my wife when i'm about to leave the house to go on a walk i don't want to go <laughs> i say i'm gonna go on a vigorous constitutional okay that's what this was yeah. a vigorous constitutional um there was not a whole <laughs> whole lot of resistance given no to the to the hawkeyes um and you know what maybe kirk ferentz the wet blanket Maybe he didn't schedule a spring practice because this was the spring practice. <laughs> I mean, there just wasn't a whole lot of resistance here. So 644 yards. It is the most yards in the Kirk Ferentz era, which we know spans back before the Vietnam War. Uh, yeah. But seriously, no, for most yards in an Iowa game since 1997. Um, 351 yards rushing. If you want to figure out a way to get demolished by Iowa, a good way to start is by giving up 351 yards rushing. I mean, this thing was over. They scored on their first four drives, and I'm like, that's all I need to say from this game. Yeah. Um, I feel like, again, uh, when the the dumb fans, right, the, the fans that think your team should convert every third down, yeah, um, you should win every game, like, and then they think that the line of scrimmage should just move back seven yards every time the offensive line. Sure. That's – Kind of, kind of what yeah, this looked like. Exactly. I, I, I never even got my blood pressure up no, at one point. No. Like I, I was texting my buddies like I, I think this is already over when it was like ten to nothing. The Blue um, Raiders were absolutely helpless. They, uh, they were clutching and grabbing along the offensive line just to prevent a numerous amount of sacks and tackles for losses. Um, I guess I, I was impressed that they held uh, Asher O'Hara to thirty-three yards rushing. 
brim full of Asher on a 45. Killer tune. Um, Nate Stanley, 17 of 25, 276 yards, two touchdowns. I feel like that's been his stat line for pretty it much seems like every it, right? single game this I f- year. I felt like he was. they were just like, okay, let's run a deep out just to see if we can complete it. Yep. Okay, we completed we did that. Okay, let's do a post and just see what happens. But it, just like he was practicing. Yeah, it, it was a lot like that. Torin Young, 131 yards. Tyler Goodson, Makai Sargent into the 90s. So they almost had three backs over yep. 100 yards. Um, Spread it out receiving. Anyways, coming off the uh, idle week, you want to look good in a game like this. Um, they look good in a game like yeah. this, and you move on. The, the only th- the only thing I'll say right now, negative about the Hawks is we don't really we haven't learned that much about them because of who they play. I agree. They, they have played Miami, Ohio at home. They've played uh, Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers and Middle Tennessee at home. They play a tough team in Iowa State on the road, who just lost to a good Baylor team. Yep. We'll learn a lot more next this week against weekend. Michigan. Yeah, it, it is fair to say that Iowa has done what they have supposed to do because mm-hmm. they played subpar teams and then yeah. beat one good team. But other than that, yep, we got a lot to learn. So with the win, Iowa moves to 4-0. Next up, Michigan 52, Rutgers 0. We're three games in to breaking down. We haven't even got a decent game yet. No. The Wolverines with 476 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights. Chris Ash firing 152. Mm. This was the proverbial get-right game. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of what Michigan needed, right? I guess so. And But it, it's just them beating up the wimp on the block again. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, they just, this is just, it's, we it's, out-athlete you. We don't have to scheme you. It's We're like just, they almost have their own Hoosier line to a certain degree. They kind of do, yeah. don't they? It's a higher Hoosier line, it, but it's... Yeah, it's a little higher. Yeah. But coaching wasn't required in this game. Just, you know, cram it down their throat. Or maybe there was... A different person calling plays, which well, is <laughs> something. Listen, something changed with play calling. That's all there is to it. Okay, yeah. Gaddis was on the sideline. He was. At so the what, very least, what do you think about change. that? Something's different. I there is. At, you will not be able to convince me that Jim Harbaugh didn't get involved. In, oh, I'm in, sure in, he's more after, involved after the Wisconsin game. But bringing him to the sidelines to me. That's some smoke and mirror action right there. One thousand percent smoke and mirrors. That's what that's yeah, what the I problem mean, was. I was waiting to was talk like, to you about this okay. on this very podcast because I wanted that was it, it. It was almost like he went out of the way to make a point. Oh, he very to say much something did. about it to to just try to give it the illusion that Josh Gaddis is still involved. With uh, this yeah, so much better having him on the sidelines, face to face with the team. Uh, uh, you know, we had some substitution problems. Didn't have those anymore because he's on. The, oh, okay, yeah, right. all right. Because you don't have headphones on when you're up in the booth. Give me right. a break. Shea Patterson, seventeen to twenty-three, two hundred seventy-six yards, touchdown and an interception. But he also had three rushing touchdowns. Um, they still didn't run the ball very well. No, and this is Rutgers. They, yeah, they right. really couldn't run the ball that. I mean, well. one hundred forty-one yards, but only three point four average. You should be able to average better than that against Rutgers. One thousand percent. Um. Back to um, what I said about the the ex Bama assistants. Didn't didn't Saban say something like he was glad to have certain shakeups on the staff this offseason? Didn't he say there was something he okay. said like that? I don't remember. Like that, there were some but... guys that kind of needed to go. Is basically what he said. So basically, my take on that is your ego. Looking at maybe Gaddis, maybe Locks, your ego and what you bring to this team is not 
enough for me to feel to keep you on the staff. Hmm. So go see the door. Yeah. Would be my guess. Uh, a positive for Rutgers. Yeah. You got, I got one. You know, you know where I'm going? Uh, wait, hold on. No interceptions. No interceptions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. They did lose a fumble, so they, they yeah. did have a team. But our boy Art, he got uh, out of a college football game without throwing a pick. And do you think? Do you think like his girlfriend made some cupcakes for him or something like that to celebrate? Well, I I hope so. And his parents were there too. His parents were watching the stands. I guess he took a visit to to Michigan when he was in okay. high school. And, okay. And, and anyway, his 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 parents made the trip. And I I was looking at him in the stands, thinking, "Gosh, what's going through your head? We're going to the big house. You know, he's he's probably gonna get. <laughs> it's probably not gonna be a great game for him." That's got to be a tough watch. Tough one. Tough one. Um, but so let's talk a little bit about Rutgers. This was kind of your, you had a team that was in disarray. I just wanted to see them look like a competent, functional football team. They didn't didn't get to see that. I I thought so. I uh, uh, bet the under on this game. Okay. Did not get it. No. Uh, and which is incredible when you considered that it was a 49 and a nine and a half point over under and Rutgers did not score a single point. Wow. Yeah, that is. I mean, incredible. what I thought and you have this, a dysfunctional Michigan offense. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and what I thought this would look like was a 27 to six game. Yeah, like, that's what I thought it would sure. be. Um, Rutgers scored even less than that, but still <laughs> somehow keep this managed to score less than so. that. All right. So with the win. Michigan moves to three and one overall, and Rutgers is on the reverse side, one and three. All right, so next game up is a quote unquote final good game. Uh, finally, we get a good game. Wisconsin twenty four, Northwestern fifteen. How about this yardage? The Badgers with two hundred and forty three mm. yards of total offense. Usually, Jonathan Taylor gets that by himself by yeah. half. With the Wildcats, two hundred and fifty five. So. Northwestern had more yards than another power five football team. I'm I'm reading that. I'm looking at the numbers. I don't believe it. I'm going to need more proof. I'm going to have to go watch the tape and add it up myself, but I'm just going to take their word for it right now. This is typical Northwestern performance. They just, they just know how to muck up a game and make it, you know, winnable for them. Yeah. Um, have we not watched this same Wisconsin Northwestern game approximately? I'm dead serious. Seven times in the last ten. Pretty years? much every. You know, you got to give their defense a ton of credit. Now, uh, Jonathan Taylor did have 119 yards, but it took him 26 carries. That usually gets him 200 yards. Yep. And they've held them to under 200 in the previous two meetings. They've got a formula for this guy. Yeah, they uh, ran this stat about how successful they've been with against Jonathan Taylor going into it. Mm -hmm. When I read the stat, I said to myself, that is going to play itself out during the first half. But by the end of the game, he will break out simply because they're going to have the ball so much. The Northwestern def defense is going to wear down. Um, that was kind of the case, I kind guess, of. but I, I thought it would look more like the Michigan state Northwestern game last week. But yeah, the, the difference is that Michigan state, I believe has a better quarterback than Wisconsin did. Jack Cohn. Yeah. Did not look good here. Okay. 15 of 25, 113 yards, no picks and, 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 or no touchdowns in one pick. I am not, I'm not trying to overreact mm -hmm. to this, but like, Maybe we got a little out in front of our ski tips with the Jack Cohn praise. Maybe we need this. Well, you know why he had a bad game? Because I 
last podcast said, I was wrong. Jack Cohn is a good quarterback. The, your power over the universe was it's amazing. One more time. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is not me uh, chastising and, and, you know, casting Jack Cohn out into the college football oblivion. I just think that certain defensive coordinators that can get a certain look um, to, in the Michigan game, he didn't really have to make a ton of plays. He didn't throw a touchdown no. last week, I believe, either. He ran for that nice score. But point being is the damage was already being done big time with Jonathan Taylor. Right. So the game plan going against Wisconsin is not changed, and it's not going to change for anybody else. Try to stop Jonathan Taylor. Try to make Jack Cohn meet repeated plays to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if, if there's someone out there that can absolutely – stop Jonathan Taylor and you don't give up two defensive touchdowns. It'll be interesting to see if he can beat a good team. Uh, the Wisconsin defense has given up four touchdowns on the year and has scored three. Unbelievable. So almost I, equaled it out. I mean, there is nothing that can be said about the Wisconsin defense negatively. It is still oh, yeah. an amazing defense, arguably the best one in the conference. So I think it was Fernelli had a tweet. You know, when when Wisconsin was up 24 to three and he put the score up there, he said Wisconsin's D 14, Wisconsin's O 10, yeah. Northwestern three. Correct. Um, but Northwestern stormed back. They did um, on, I believe, the quarterback change. So Hunter Johnson it seemed to provide a little bit of spark, at least I for a while. So. I, so I, 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 I haven't looked into it as far as Northwestern Twitter, because Northwestern Twitter is, has is not a, been has not been very active. It's a the small last sample hours. size, and, and I think they're pretty frustrated right now. My guess is that they were uh, encouraged by the. It was basically the fourth quarter in this game. Um, Aiden Smith was the the quarterback during that time. But don't you think Mick McCall kind of pulled his head out of his behind a little bit and got a little bit more aggressive with the play calling at the same I would, time? So yes, I would say that now. All the Northwestern fans just want his head, right? They yep. want him out of there. I don't there. blame him. I'm on. I I would feel the same way. If but I was don't him. you think there's a larger problem here, and that's the fact that they just have zero dynamic playmakers on this offense. Well, and maybe I mean, what him being the offensive coordinator is part of the issue because maybe he's not that good of a recruiter, and maybe yeah. maybe players don't want to go play in his offense. That that's true. So I, mean, I I think there could be overarching things that he's also a part of with that. You know, in the past, though, they've had a Justin Jackson or an Austin Carr or I agree, like even Clay. Peyton Thorson didn't have eye-popping numbers, but he was doing something right in that offense. And he just doesn't have anything like that right now. And it's a disaster. I I, I don't disagree with any of that. I want to see this play out in the next couple of weeks. And the point I'm trying to make is I do think Hunter Johnson was that bad. I, I think that is part of it. And if he's I, – I don't wish injury on him, but as a Northwestern fan, I bet you're kind of at, kind of curious to see – what Aiden Smith could do if he practices the whole week yeah. and plays a whole game. At and, this point, I mean, you have to try something at this point. Absolutely, right? and plays a defense that's not, you know, all world. Wisconsin. Correct. So, Which yeah, they're going to chance to do next week. So it'll be interesting to see if the offense looks a little bit better. Okay, now we have to talk about the two-point conversions. <laughs> Thank you. Don't we? It doesn't uh, make... The, well, now hold on. Okay. Ben Ben Weinberg, he's, Man, he's a deep, deep dive here. Yep. Yeah, he's a, he's an NU fan on Twitter. Was defending Fitz a little bit, and he'll he he'll bash Fitz when he deserves it. He said Fitz was doing that because he didn't want a tie. He knew they would never they could never win in overtime, so he wanted to be down by thirteen 
so that he could score two touchdowns and win as opposed to score two touchdowns and tie. But it was 24 to 3. It was 24 to 3 to score a touchdown. So just get it 24 10. He went for two right there. I just agree. Just get it to 24 well, to 10. Right. So you can. How what, is this any different than he could have gotten it to the point where at the end of the North Carolina Clemson game, like just right. go for so, two and go for the win? Wow. I say uh, keep kicking the one, save the two for the end. Yeah. Like when when you're all like you you just made the huge comeback. Yeah. Now you're jacked the up. The defense is on tilt. That's yes. when you go. For That's two. when you go for two. So I'm this sorry, is, I, that does not make any sense to me. No, it still doesn't. But at least it. It, it gave some sort of, of reason. But this was a Zookian decision by him. I mean, Ron Zook did this in a game one time, this exact thing. And they asked him afterwards, and he said, oh, no, that was the right thing. With that. We, we, we would, a, we would do it again. Something wrong. Yeah, just – and it. I was so infuriated because I just – just, you know, t- show me that you can learn. That's all I want. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm comparing you to Zook, that is bad. Right. And this is a coach that I consider to be the best in the Big Ten. So I don't know what he was thinking. I don't either. I, I, you could give me two or three different theories. I will reject them all. You, you kick the PAT there and you try to get the, the game tied up. And then or, you have to go for position. two. Then Correct. you're chasing the point. Then you're chasing the points the whole, the whole time. So. I, I, I always find it a mystery, the two-point conversion, when coaches decide to go for that. You shouldn't even really think about it till. The fourth quarter, if it's a- midway through the fourth quarter, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Yep, I agree. All right, uh, but in the end, the game that Wisconsin fans were nervous about one week ago, two, they they pulled it out. I mean, it's they won the game. They moved to four and zero. Northwestern though is sitting at a very disappointing one three. All right, so that moves us into the afternoon games. We finally had a very entertaining duel of games in the afternoon. It's about time. Michigan State, 40, Indiana, 31. Again, yardage very similar. Sparty with 300 yards of total offense. The Hoosiers with 286. I think by far this was the game of the day in the Big It was, definitely. This this was a fantastic game. I was on the edge of my seat. I was texting my my, uh, IU buddy back and forth the whole game. Now, I heard a lot of chatter about Michigan State's defense having a bad day. Yeah. Did they have a bad day, or is IU's offense pretty good? I think I, I would say more IU's off, offense is pretty good, but I, I still wouldn't consider this a, it's a not bad, a bad day. day. I mean, what's crazy is how in the heck did Indiana squeeze 31 points out of 286 yeah. yards of total offense? That's insane. Yeah, and and another thing, Michael Penix, boy, that guy's blossoming. Wow. 33 of 42 for 286 yards, three touchdowns. And and no picks. Right. More importantly. Right. And as I mentioned earlier, Watt failure, 14 catches, 142 yards. That guy's a stud. Two touchdowns. How about that Donovan Hale touchdown catch? Yeah. Where he Insane. was fending off Josiah Scott, one of the best corners in the conference, right. with one hand and caught the ball with the other hand, single-hand catch. This is a good Hoosier offense. Yeah, I mean – it's fun it's, to watch, too. No, it is. I mean, the thing with the Hoosiers that uh, I can't help but, okay, I was way off on these yardage totals, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. 442 yards of oh, total were, offense and 356 yards of total offense for Indiana. You were reading the I, passing. I, I was reading the passing. Yeah. I, I apologize. So 356. That, yep. So 356 for Indiana. <laughs> Sorry about that. Michigan State yeah, with no 442. Um, um, yeah, so... Uh, certainly, uh, Penix brings a certain level 
of of dynamic to mm-hmm. the to the offense explosion. Um, and I think this is what Indiana fans have wanted to see for quite some time. Yeah. Um, if he can get into a groove like that as a passer, this will be a very scary team for other teams to face with Indiana. And he's but, still a freshman. But I tell you what, what is, I think, pull your hair out frustrating again is the Indiana defense. And yeah. I think you saw Tom Allen, like, literally and figuratively pulling his hair. I, I, I think maybe he's going to potentially fire his defensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, or else kind of just take over the play. Do calling. a Jimmy Harbaugh. Yeah. Pull the Jimmy Harbaugh on him. Yeah, and, and just say, if you can't get your bleep together, I'm going to take this thing back over. Boy, he was fiery. He was hot. And I think he had, and, and from what I could tell from, I mean, I don't know what your your Indiana guy said, but from what I could tell, there wasn't a, a Hoosier fan out there that wasn't on his side when he was chewing sure. ass. Yeah. I mean, I think they were, they were on team asked you i mean this is a michigan state offense that has not been consistent for a long time but but i I don't disagree with that obviously they've done the you know uh odd week even week thing by the way that's thrown out the window now but they have consistently moved the ball even in the arizona state game they just weren't having points attached to it this time they did they did it last week too um i know we already kind of talked about it but lurky 18 of 36 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. And as you kind of mentioned before, 78 yards on the ground. He is the Michigan State offense right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, well, Elijah Collins, he didn't have a, yeah, 56, 56 yards. Okay, yards. he did have a, a pretty subpar game. But one thing about the the uh, the Hoosier defense is Lewerke was just throwing the ball up to Daryl Stewart. And that guy, I Made mean, the plays. well, he yeah, I mean, I, I don't receiver. blame the defensive backs for not being able to to wrestle the ball away from him. Right. He's he's a stud. And 6'2", 216 pounds, so we we've got another uh Michigan State big physical wide receiver exactly. machine. Exactly. The machine must have must have fired back up again. 3D um, printer. Um did you did you hear what Lewerke said about that last play? You know, he's 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 running towards the the end zone. He knows there's like a minute and a half left. And you can see him kind of look back and look around. And then he gets tackled, right? But it it looked like he wasn't going to make it in the end zone. He said, oh, yeah, I was aware of all the stuff, meaning, like, should I score? Should right. I not score? Right. And he says he kind of clock. did it intentionally, didn't score. Okay. And then they were able to burn the – I mean, it was perfect. It was, it was the right it, thing to do. Play, and that's what you should get out of a senior like that. Yeah. So, um, so I don't want to take anything away from Michigan State. Um, they've had to respond the last two weeks, right? I mean, after losing a disappointing yeah. game with Arizona State – uh, the season could have tanked with playing uh, uh, always, you know, tough to figure out Northwestern team and then Indiana. They won both of those games. They're they're back feeling good about things, I would think. Um, with Indiana, though, um, this is a maddeningly frustrated football team to follow. If you're a it is. fan, um, they they just cannot get over that proverbial hump. But you know what? Yeah, it's true. But I was sitting there, and I had a different feeling than I usually have watching the Hoosiers in the fourth quarter. Usually it's like, uh-oh, here we go. And you can see a play. I'm like, "There's that's the start of it. And then it snowballs. Okay, here we go. We've seen this time after time. Yeah. I found myself saying, they, we they can, can do, do this. They, you guys can yep. do this. Yep. So I, I think that's just a result of I see a lot more playmakers on offense than, I agree. than they've had yeah. in the past. And that would, again, would frustrate you because 
if they just have one step up better defense, I know. you know, maybe they pull They're this game out. They're 2017 defense. If they had that. Right. Exa- exactly. Boy, this yeah. would be something. We still haven't mentioned it. Didn't mention it in the preview. This was for the Brass Spittoon. Brass Spittoon. Nice and, job. And, and, the, and Sparty keeps the Brass Spittoon. And with the win, Michigan State moves to 4-1 and one overall. Indiana falls to 3-2, and two, but to a certain degree, still on schedule for where oh, people yeah. thought they would have been at the beginning of the year. Next game up, wound up being another good one because these are the cardiac rats. Minnesota, 38. Purdue, 31. The Gophers with 488 yards of total offense to the Boilermakers, 414. Why can't Minnesota just win out again? Put the proverbial boot on the throat. So a, a buddy of mine was texting me. He was working, so he didn't watch the first half. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'm about to go over and start watching the game. And I said, well, enjoy it because they're just scoring at will. It was like halftime. It was, yep. And I'm like, they are going to blow, blow the doors yep. off of Purdue. Yep. I'm like, have fun. I was. And then, you know, they kind of started to. And then it all started falling apart. Yep. They started letting Purdue back yep. in the game. Yeah, we got a, a good gopher buddy of mine that's over in Europe right now on his honeymoon. And he couldn't watch. So he was trying to. Uh, keep uh, on top of the game with me and another buddy. And I texted him the same thing. Like, oh, dude, this this game is is over. Minnesota is doing whatever they want offensively yeah. through the air. There's nothing Purdue is going to be able to do to stop them. But you got to give Jeff Brown a little bit of a credit here. for Just for keeping him in the game with 100. a bunch of freshmen. I mean, and that turns you right on to the unfortunate side of Purdue. Uh, the well. joke that I put on to Twitter is – uh, Maryland uh, says, man, Maryland fan or program, whatever, says, you know, nobody can out top us for injuries. We are the best at injuries. Purdue fan says, hold my ACL, which was pretty good. I have to admit, I, I um, laughed out loud at that one. <laughs> um, they lost Elijah Sindelar and Rondale Moore on the same Play. Obviously, the worst moment in Purdue sports history. <laughs> it's it's well, and and, and I there was uh, uh, some uh, um, confusion that I had on Twitter that I had explained to me uh, that this was on par with Purdue Minnesota history because uh, Robbie Hummel, I guess, tore his ACL or blew out his mm. knee, was against Minnesota. Okay, so there's there's some injury. I guess, don't remember that. Not a big course, basketball fan. All but. related back to basketball. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't exactly know where it would rank, but as far as the recent history for Purdue football, oh. how do you lose a, a your your trans, you know, like transcendent ta- pl- talent, Rondale Moore, and your starting quarterback on the same play? Well, and, and after the game, Brom was flat out said, it doesn't look good for Sindelar. So long story short, I think we've seen the end. Of yeah, a shoulder injury. And and let me say, not just their starting quarterback. I mean, I feel like this guy, he's had his issues in the past. He still turns the ball over a little bit. But this is a great quarterback for Brahms' system. Correct. He was distributing the ball very well. It's devastating. Yeah. Um. So if he and doesn't we, come. And something that me and you had made our minds up with with predict, predicting Purdue low in the Big Ten West, because somebody's ha- got to finish last or second yeah. to last, was that Elijah Sindelar had not shown the ability to right. stay healthy. Yes. It's played out like that. I, 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 I'm I, not trying to say that, ha, 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 I was right, but right. unfortunately, we were right. But Purdue fans feel the same way. 
because I made a joke on Twitter. Uh, is he going to file for a seventh year of eligibility? And some some Purdue fans are like it doesn't matter. He's made a glass. He'll never stay yeah. healthy anyway. Yeah. Um. What the heck was Nick Holt doing? I don't know. My joke on Twitter was, you know, my I've got a I've got a uh, four year old, and we play the game hot lava. You know, the floor is hot lava. The <laughs> okay. coach. Yeah. Sure. Minnesota's slant routes were hot lava to Nick Holt in the Purdue defense. Did you see the positioning of the linebackers? It makes no sense. What, what the heck were they thinking? I have no idea. Fake, so, a, fake a blitz, drop back into the – try to get your yeah. hands up into the throwing lanes. Like, okay, I realize you're doing an RPO and you're trying to pull the linebackers up, but, like, the either you're going to run the ball for a gain or you're going to complete a slant for a touchdown. Is What's the lesser of the two evils here? They were just saying, ah, eh, we'll give them the touchdown. Um, Nick Holt is entertaining to uh, watch yeah. on the sidelines, but uh, his ability to coordinate and switch up defenses, it has not looked good in the in the not too distant. And you uh, know how pass. much I love Nick Holt because yeah. it's mostly from that first season with Purdue where he just coached those guys out of his mind. Yeah, um, not a lot of talent there, and they were like a top twenty five defense. But I just don't know what the heck he was doing. But in we should this talk. Game. We should talk more about the Gophers. We because, should. Yes. Um. Uh. So Shannon Brooks came back. He was largely, you know, just. Probably need another game or two to get his feet yeah. back under. But Rodney Smith, 11 carries, 115 yards and a touchdown. But my 22 God. carries for 115. 100, 115 yards. Yep. Okay. Uh, but my God, the receivers. Oh, Lord. It was like they were taking, uh, you know, okay. flipping a quarter. Who who gets to go yeah. have the great right. Frisbee turn? catching dog play yeah. next? Uh, Rashad Bateman, as we covered, six catches, 177 yards, two tutties. Our boy C to the A to the B, 97 yards receiving and a touchdown. Let's not forget about Tyler Johnson. Yeah, he's pretty good 73 yards and a touchdown as well. They all made plays. This is an incredible receiving core. So I think next week is uh, Demetrius Douglas' turn. Yeah, probably. It's got to be, right? Probably right. Or maybe they'll get the tight ends involved. But they can just complete that slant route at will. And um, I got to give a Gopher fan credit on Twitter. He had said, you know, I think they're just going to try. They're going to go away from trying so hard to set the run up. They're just going to get the quick passing game going. That's what you saw. Yeah. Um, Once they were able to get Purdue on uh, off balance, then they started doing, you know, deeper four and five step drops. But for the most part, they were just getting the ball out yeah. real quick. Uh, I think they they would uh, slide the pass pro over to Karlafkis to try to keep him at least a sure. little bit occupied. Anyways, long story short, the game plan was great on offense. Um, certainly Tanner Morgan d- deserves all the credit in the world. Um, part of the reason he has eye popping statistics is because his receivers are just filthy. That's a, certainly a big part of it. Um, offensive line still isn't, I guess, generating what I'd hope from it. 92 no. yards rushing. Not great. Not great. Gave up four sacks. Yep. But, you know, they're getting the job done. I have to bring this up. Did you see the Fleck and Brom handshake? It, you know, I, I saw it. It was it was as quick as a hiccup, okay? Yeah. But most handshakes aren't a drawn-out you know, bro hug type of thing. Yeah, but Usually pretty quick. But there's also some rumblings that they don't get along. I don't think there's any denying that. I heard something weird that like at football practices, when Brom wants to get on a guy, he calls him Fleck. I or heard that like too. That. I don't know if I believe yeah, that. I don't know if I believe that either. But anyways, I think there's enough to prove that 
um, there's there's bad blood between these two. Something to keep an eye on because I love a good soap opera. Uh, we should probably mention first team these Gophers since 1985 Penn State to win their first four games by and the one first score. and the first big team to do that since 15. 1915, 1915. <laughs> the Amos Alonzo Stag coached 1915 Chicago Maroons. I've been on the University of Chicago campus. I have been to the football stadium. The Maroons are the, they still the Maroons? They're still the Maroons. Okay. They're Division Three. They've okay. got they've got a little C on their helmet, the same C that the Bears, Bears wear. Have. Okay. And uh, that that stadium is where the world's first sustained nuclear reaction took place. Really? Yeah. Wow. Fun fact to know and tell. Never know what you're going to learn here on the Eyes on Big (laughs) Podcast. but So, yeah, uh, with the win, another close win, the Gophers move to 4-0, and Purdue drops to a very disappointing 1-3. All right, so last game up was our Big Ten game of the week. Yeesh. Ohio State 48, Nebraska 7. The Buckeyes had 580 yards of total offense to the Cornhuskers, 212. I'm going to coin a new term here. Let's, let, me, let me do this. Let me do this. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to. Let's start out with positives on Ohio State first. Can we do that? Yeah, that's actually what I'm going to talk okay, about here. Go. The, I, I'm coining a new term. It's not a talent gap. It's a talent chasm. <laughs> it's enormous. Yeah. The amount of talent that Ohio State has versus, you know, a solid Big Ten team here in Nebraska wasn't even close. Ohio State is potentially um, the best Big Ten team I've seen in my lifetime. I might be putting that out there a little bit too soon. I, it might I be was, a little I too was soon for that. if I was going to say that because – you could make a point to say that Penn State ninety four comes to mind for okay. me, and just and I'm just kind of trying to get at more like I'm I'm not trying to play the proverbial proverbial they haven't played anybody card because a stat that I just saw it in Twitter is taking the top ten teams yeah and saw that. showing the records of the teams that they've the team has played taking out the loss that that team has given them. They have the highest winning percentage of the teams that that have that Ohio State has played. Well, like I said, I don't think Nebraska's a slouch. Indiana's not a slouch. Cincinnati's a good team. They have played some pretty good competition. I think the thing that impresses me the most about this team is how much better they've gotten in the trenches versus last year. Incredible. Both sides. They were absolutely churning bodies like meat, their offensive line. Incredible. I, like and and re- remember they had almost no returning starting talent. That's why I'm so they weren't supposed to have a cohesive offensive line no. until. So I couldn't maybe predict they them. started gelling into form about now. They've yeah. been gelled into form since day, day one. one. Um, the O line is incredible. Yeah, we've talked about Justin Fields a bunch. I still don't know if we've talked enough about Justin Fields no. for how good he is. He has exceeded all expectations for any five star. Absolutely, the receiving core: Austin Mack, KJ Hill, uh, Benjamin Victor, Chris Olave. I can't tell them apart because they all kind of look the same, and they all look incredible. Like it's too bad Minnesota's. Uh, receiving core has to play in the big 10 the same year yeah. as Ohio States, because right. unfortunately I still give Ohio States 
receiving core the number one slot. I do too. But Sorry, the Gophers. production alone, but it, it's just incredible. And then it's like you you've got their top three, and then you're like, oh, that's right, they got Austin Mack too. Correct. <laughs> Correct. It's, it's and un- then, unreal. And then this is so. Lots of comments on uh, the importance of the health of Justin Fields. I'm, I've said it myself. I'm just saying, yeah, like, me too. It's something pretty common around, you know, inter- internet and Twitter sphere. I, I'm going to throw this out there. Just at one A and one B okay. has importance for the Ohio State offense. Okay, is J.K. Dobbins. He is one B. He is. He yeah, had Master Teague look pretty good too, but he just looks pretty good. He came in that game. When Nebraska's defense was was just a shredded pulp at that point. I mean, it was. Right? Well, it's, I mean, it's and, what and, broke and, my back. Once I saw that touchdown, I said to the wife, let's go see a movie. I mean, he was just running free yeah. at that point. But J.K. Dobbins is special now, right? You think he's that good? I think you think he he's like J- uh, Jonathan Taylor level? Uh, Jonathan Taylor's number one. Okay. But, but in the number two sub- spot in the Big Ten, easily is jk dobbins okay right now and yeah. i think yeah. if you went across the the country if you did your top five running backs those two are are definitely in there mm-hmm. um uh, clemson running back etn uh, yeah etn um oklahoma state running back is a stud yeah i, I can't think of anybody else that that you would yeah, definitely probably put, right. like J.K. Dobbins had always been kind of the, the Georgia scat guy. back Pretty good. type of you know get the get him out into space thing. He's looking good in between the tackles now too. He put oh, he on, looks great in between the tackles. A, he is an absolute stud. He is the he is the X factor that brings it to yet another level. Okay. With this offense, it would still be a great That's offense fair. if he was out for a couple games or something like that. But but I have long story short, I have no idea how you attack this offense right now. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Before I get to that, the other thing, the linebacker play compared to yeah, last year. Yeah, now let's switch to the defense. Holy crap. It's, I mean, what a difference just a, a simplifying the defense made for, for we, those. And we, we called this back on the podcast. Back, yeah. in, back in August, I'm like, you know, you're going to look at a better. No, one thing you said is, could we wind up seeing the Ohio State defense be better than the offense? So you were half correct. The Ohio yeah. State defense took a giant step up. It's just that their offense is just as good, if right. not better. But like their defensive line alone looks incredible, and probably because of that, because this is how a team defense works. Sure. The linebackers have yeah, filled in. but they're just aggressive. They were attacking. They were just swarming to the ball. I'm. I just want to know. Where is the weakness on this team? Because I, do I don't see, see one. Even their special teams is good. Drew Chrisman is the best punter in the Big Ten. Uh, on the defense, their number uh, jersey number one, Jeffrey Okuda, interception, two interceptions in the game. Jersey number two, Chase Young, forced the ball, forced the issue how many times? On the offense, jersey number one, yeah. Justin Fields that we've talked about, jersey number two, J.K. Dobbins. It is good to have the number one or two on the 2019 Ohio State Buckeyes. And ironic, they're going to finish either one or two in the country by the end of the year. Do you they're think... starting to finally get the notice. Oh, they are now, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the AP can pound sand. That This this should be... Oh, screw the AP. Yeah. Um, if an alien were to come down and visit the Earth, and he saw Chase... I mean, obviously that's already happened. Probably. Okay, so if we were to able to interview <laughs> said alien... And he only met two human beings, your average human being 
and Chase Young. He would think they were two different species, wouldn't he? I, I would think so, yeah. I mean, good They're, Lord. So, okay. we're gonna, So the last thing on Chase Young, then we'll transition to the other team that played in this game. There was rumored to be another team that played in this game. Uh, Chase Young uh, basically made uh, number 71 and number 76. I won't say their names. Yeah. The proverbial turnstile blocking. Yeah. I mean, it was just, there was a couple times where I'm not even sure if he even laid a hand on. <laughs> he just he just got him upright and went around him that quick. Yeah. And, and he has got the quickness of like a running back. But yeah. He's he's a defensive he's, end size. Oh, human. he's I, I don't know how much he weighs, but he looks just on a, built huge. on a different scale than a regular yep. defensive end. And then the other side of it is whenever they actually did try to rotate blocking schemes over to him, there's just so much more talent yeah. on the other. It, yeah, then everyone else eats. So now we switch over yep. to Nebraska. I got thoughts. You want to start off? Okay. Or... Obviously, great atmosphere. Game day, we know that. Oh, yeah. Great fans. It was hype. Uh, I just expected them to come out and look a little better out of the gate. And I expected them to eventually, you know, I expected Ohio State to cruise to a, a fairly easy victory. But I just didn't expect from foot meeting oblong spheroid to, for it to be a total ass kicking. So this would be, I guess there's going to be a little bit of tootsome talk out of two sides of my mouth mm-hmm. here but the first thing i would say uh if i was a nebraska fan or if a nebraska fan is listening to this is to think about the aforementioned indiana hoosiers right uh, the hoosiers got absolutely melba toasted by ohio state yes, they did. two weeks ago they turned around and destroyed a low-level you know fbs team and then challenged michigan state yeah. Like you could to the point where you could say they should have beaten Michigan State. Right. right? They got destroyed by Ohio State. Poor Miami of Ohio were spotted five points and then gave up 76. They turned around and beat Buffalo. Yes. This past week. That's right. Uh, point I'm trying to make is welcome to the club, Nebraska. Yeah. You just happened to be the fifth team that Ohio State played this year and you got killed. There really isn't that much to gleam. No. From getting blown out by this Ohio State I wouldn't team. get too discouraged. I mean, yeah, you want to look better than you did. You want to put up some kind of a fight. But this is Goliath. This is not a normal, like, top of the Big Ten team. This is an, an elite team. I, I, would, I just wouldn't get too down about this game if I'm a Husker fan. With that being said, how can the offense for Scott Frost look that bad i'll tell you not because i i took a peruse around you know twitter uh, uh, reactions from husker fans different threads mm-hmm. um the general consensus couple dms with a couple okay. of the of the good you know nebraska fans that we're friends with um the general consensus is let's throw that bum chenander out the defensive coordinator now let me just let me get this out so certainly the defense did not look good, but I would go back to the it's the Ohio State offense this year. They're going to make every defense. I mean, look bad. Lord, did you see that offensive lineman absolutely destroy Mo Berry right. twice on the same play? Right. So I don't I, think that's Eric Chenander. I'm not saying that the defense doesn't have its issues. Yeah. But this is Scott Frost's second year in Lincoln. Okay. It's his second year 
with Adrian Martinez, and he himself has gone on record numerous times exalting the praises of Adrian Martinez. We have been told that Scott Frost is a genius when it comes to play calling and drawing up plays. It it didn't look like it. Does the so I am maybe on the op, I'm not trying to be contrarian with this, but maybe part of the reason the defense looked that bad was because they were out on the field so much. Yeah, it could have been that could have been part because of because the offense was turning the ball. There was more turnovers in the first half than passing completions. You put your defense into a horrible spot pretty much the entire game. Well, that's on Scott Frost. It is. And the offense. I agree. I agree. I don't know why you'd blame Chenander here. I, my notes here. I have Martinez made a poopy diaper. He 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 came out. He saw Chase Young. He saw the rest of that defense, and he made a poopy diaper. It wasn't just him pooping. Scott Frost was pooping in his diaper too. Exactly. He, he couldn't. He didn't know what to do. I mean, you look at the stats for the receiving. Mo Washington led the team with two catches. A running oh. back. Dumping the ball off to him. Two catches for 10 yards. J.D. Spielman, one catch for seven yards. Unacceptable. You, you don't get the ball out to your receivers on the perimeter better than that. And and I do agree that the, the, the poopy diaper thing, because what I right when the game started, the thing that I watched was Chase Young and those mm-hmm. tackles. Because I'm like, what is Nebraska and Scott Frost going to do to help alleviate the pass rush to help Adrian Martinez. Yeah. The answer was nothing. Nothing. They didn't do anything no. different. And they left those poor tackles that, that are subpar tackles in any part of the Big Ten. And yeah. they left them out on the best defensive end, maybe of our generation. What did you expect was going to happen? Yeah. I know. So, and then the thing about Adrian Martinez, I, I still think he's a great quarterback. I he's, do too. He, he is. An amazing athlete. He got him the only points in the game just from squirting out on man coverage and getting down the field. Otherwise, they would have got shut out. The offense would have right. got shut out. Um, uh, but his – I still think he's got a good deep ball too, okay? But his intermediate route – Yeah, he's struggling. It's not good. It no. is not only not good, it's it's bad yeah, right he, now. He's really struggling. I, and it, it he he's, was better at that last year. It's like he's regressed a little bit. Don't so, you think? Yeah, I and I think a lot of Nebraska fans do too. There are there is a, a again an, another civil war going on between Nebraska fans right now, similar to after the Colorado game. Some idiot Nebraska fans think that you know let's bench Adrian Martinez. That's, no, that's good lord. Here is so again like it's Ohio State. They're going to do this to people. Yeah, but this is something that I do want to make somewhat of a big deal out out of. I don't care what Scott Frost has to do. I don't care what Scott Frost thinks is important or not. I'm telling my thoughts on what needs to be the number one priority right from this day moving forward. You have to fix that offensive line. Yeah. It's awful. It's not looked good all year. And then it looked horrible, of course, because of Ohio State's defense. You're going to get your all-star quarterback killed injured you know it's okay like we should talk moving, about that moving forward do, do you do you see what i'm getting at like but they kept adrian martinez in and that's an and, and, and by why. the way and thank you for bringing that up 
um, I pointed that out on Twitter. I guess I'm not allowed to say things like that as a non-Nebraska fan, but that was stupid how long he was out on, on the field. I don't know if this was Tommy Frazier's. I think it's his the real Tommy Frazier. He, he did. He doesn't have the check mark, but he said, isn't it time to take Adrian Martinez out of this game? Correct. This is the biggest Husker fan there is. And he deleted the tweet, but I'm like. Oh, he did delete it? Yeah. Huh. But what is. Interesting. Because what. And I didn't mean take him out like he sucks. Get him out of there. It's no, just don't say, get him don't hurt. get him killed. Yeah, as um, as we said in the 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 preview episode, Jay Sean could kill somebody. So <laughs> in regulation, <laughs> yeah, in regulation. Um, I I have had this confirmed two or three times now. I don't know exactly when the comment was made. I think it might have been during his introductory press conference. If it wasn't that, it was very. Uh, early in Scott Frost's career at Nebraska. And if I'm not saying exactly verbatim how he said it, don't jump on me, Nebraska fans, but I'm paraphrasing probably to a certain degree. But Scott Frost said, once we get this thing up and running, offensive line play won't matter that much. Hmm. I'm going to disagree with that. You're wrong. And and the reason, and I've maybe mentioned this before, because that quote, it just shocked me when I read it. And I remember thinking to myself, Obviously, Scott Frost knows more about running offenses and a college football team than I'll ever learn. That's still true to this day. But I remember thinking to myself, does he know how this is going to go in this Big Ten conference on the front sevens that are gonna he's going to face? It's an odd comment, especially considering he came from Oregon where they had really good offensive lines, not, not the like type of bruising offensive lines that I think he probably eventually wants, but they were very technical and very good and effective. I, why would you just say, Oh, well, we, we don't need that. I, it makes so like Bryce Benhart was their one of their crown jewels in the last uh, recruiting class. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Throwing an offensive lineman in there is one of the toughest positions to, to do that with. Yeah. But do, don't you kind of go for broke at this point and start just start over and start developing well, and not so much a start over but something start like, moving to your more talented guys even if they're younger just because a couple we, guys. we need this offensive line to look good next year right. and really good the year after that so we can use the junior and senior year of adrian martinez because right now what i'm seeing is anytime this offense and offensive line goes up against a better than average and certainly, you know, higher than, you know, very good defensive line. Sure. It's, it has extreme issues. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, it was, it was a bad day for Oscar fans. Yeah, it was. But again, so I'll circle it back around. Not that bad though, because yeah, I just try to get past it. Uh, move on. You, you're going to win, play yeah. more games this year. Still, still, all of the things that you wanted to get accomplished, if you were a sure. realistic Husker fan uh, going into the year, nine and three and getting to Indy is still a, a very realistic possibility for this Husker team. And speaking of getting to Indy, have you looked ahead to OSU's schedule? It shapes up. I, I'm, you know, they're in the East, so I'm not saying it's easy, but they get Penn State at home, they get Michigan at home, yeah. they get Wisconsin at home. Haven't he, they haven't even had Idol yet. They get a couple rests coming up. Oh, they get two. From here Weeks on out. off, yeah. They're the I only, didn't even think about they're that. The only, they're the only five no team in the in the conference. Right I didn't now. even think about that. And then, I mean, you're you're playing Michigan away, but that doesn't look like a daunting game anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they're going to be heavily favored in every game remaining. I think. Correct. Yes. 
But that, that Penn State game, that, that, that I got that one circled. Because that's, that's yeah. the second to last game of the year. Yeah. So. so with the win, Ohio State moves to a very impressive 5-0, and and Nebraska falls to 3-2. and So we want to get into the to the rankings. I thought this week we would we would kind of put the teams into kind of their own their own group team group. So I would say ten through fourteen. This is kind of a group here. Rutgers fourteen, Purdue thirteen, Illinois twelve, Maryland eleven, and Northwestern ten. Now I think grouping Northwestern in with Rutgers is aggressive, but I think you can put all of these teams in the category of they have major, major flaws. Problems. Absolutely. Whether it's the offense with Northwestern, the defense with Purdue, the everything with Rutgers, like these teams have issues. Totally agree. Okay. I saw the movie Ad Astra last night, so I'm yeah. going to do a little comparison here. Okay. Um, those teams are all on earth. Okay. Okay. The next group of teams are a little above Earth, so they're on the moon. So okay. let's go with the next ones. Okay. Next group is 7, 8, and 9. At 9, we have Nebraska. At 8, Indiana. And 7, Minnesota. Um, I would say right now, each one of those teams. Interchangeable. Darn near interchangeable. All three of them. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I don't mean to besmirch you, Gopher fans. You are 4-0. Indiana is 3-2, and two, and so is Nebraska. I'm just trying to see this how I would see it, which is on a neutral field, I would view these as very close. Games. Yeah, and, and they're, they're the highest ranked of those, yeah. Minnesota's, yep. because they're 4-0, so yep. they, they've earned that. So that's the moon. Okay, now let's move on to Mars. Okay, another another grouping of, of three teams uh, at six. We've got Michigan at 3-1, and one, Michigan State at 4-1, and one, and Iowa at 4-0. Oh. Yeah, I would put... You could almost put Michigan in their own category. They definitely deserve to be the the lo- lowest of those three. Yep. But you can almost divide them and put them. I like thought in about the- putting Michigan in the tier down b- below that, but um, right now the 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 get right game spoke volumes to me. I kind of wonder if this is going to be a different Michigan team moving forward. So to me, I would put those three teams. Too bad I didn't use Jupiter because you could throw them in the asteroid belt. Okay. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'll take your word for it. Um, Okay. So then there's two more groups here. Uh, This this is kind of something we alluded to. So the second to the top group is uh, tied for second, how they have this in Saturday tradition. Uh, 4-0 Wisconsin and 4-0 Penn State. Wisconsin fans might scoff at that a little bit, but they shouldn't. No. Uh, Penn State has looked very impressive at times as well. And yeah, they struggled for a half against Buffalo. They they beat a good pit team. Pit team, but yeah. Um, point being is again neutral field. Uh, I don't think they play in the regular season. In fact, I'm pretty sure they no, don't. But, I- a Penn State Wisconsin game would be incredible right now. That would like, be like that. That would be a very good game. Yeah, because Wisconsin gets Ohio State and Michigan, so I'm pretty. No, they don't. They don't play Penn State. No. So, okay. anyways, I think I, I I agree. I thought it was pretty cool that uh, Dustin Shooty ranked them uh, uh, tied for second because I agree. And then of course, so those guys are on Jupiter, by the way. Okay. So right now, so where is Ohio State? What what uh, they're they're gonna be on Neptune because that's the ultimate destination. Okay. We skipped Saturn because I think Ohio State is that much better than even Penn State. So there was another. Wisconsin. There was a there's a planet in between them. Is what you're saying? The uh, there's a, the, yeah, Saturn is in between them. Yeah. There's one planet in between. Okay. They're they're in a whole another stratosphere. 
I really want to see that movie. Charles well, Manson. I don't. I'm not gonna go see it. Yeah, because it's the the imagery is unbelievable, sure. and there's some amazing action. That scenes. movie is my jam right there. I can tell you that much right now. But there's, I wouldn't hey, expect hey, too much okay. from okay. the plot. Okay, just, okay. just low bar on the plot. Okay, good. I, I'm okay. glad I know that. Okay. Right. Well, that's a lot. We covered a lot. You got anything else you want to add? No. Yeah. No, yeah. but you know what? See it in IMAX, I think. Okay. If you can see an IMAX, I wish that's the only thing I could do differently. I have small kids. I'm going to see it on my couch in about four or five months whenever it comes mm. out to on demand. You're not going to get the same experience. You got it? We've got a pretty good setup down here. Got to see that in the theater. Okay. All right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>